Hey Dan Talks listeners, this week I'm talking to Percy Brown, who is somebody that I found out about through a Jubilee video that I saw on Facebook. It has over 2 million views. It's titled, Do All Black Men Think the Same? It's also available on YouTube, on Jubilee's channel, where it has over half a million views. And it's one of these videos that deals with all these different social questions um, that it asks a sample population, in this case, five black men. And they're arranged on this, uh, it sort of looks like a football field, and they have to move to either agree or disagree, and then they have conversations amongst each other um, about these different questions. It's a really interesting video. Uh, I'll link it in the description of this podcast. And I really wanted to talk to Percy uh, because he really stood out to me in the video, and I was able to find him through Facebook, and uh, we had a really great, fruitful conversation. Um, He's also a host of his own podcast called Prince of Fresh Air, uh, which is also linked below in his Instagram, and is an actor uh, in Los Angeles. So I hope you enjoy Percy. I hope you're well, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Mwah. Percy, thank you so much for coming on Dan Talk today. Oh, absolutely, it's my pleasure. You know, I usually charge five thousand dollars, but I'll waive the fee for you today. So no. Okay, worry about drag it. or no drag. You know, RuPaul has his drag rate and no drag rate for events. <laughs> so five thousand, no drag. Right. I'll wave a few. I'll wave a few. All right. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, I came across you because of the Jubilee video titled, Do All Black Men Think the Same? Yes. Now, how of the millions and billions of people in the world, how do you become one of the five um, black men that they select? You know, it's uh, first of all, I think it's the good looks. You know, I think that that helps a little (laughs) bit. Um, But anyway, I digress. I digress. I mean. Let, let me humble myself here. Um, <laughs> so it's funny. Uh, so up until this video, I've done, I think, four videos with them at this point. So for me, it was more so I already kind of knew the directors and the producers behind the scenes a little bit. So when I saw that they were casting for it and I submitted and then I knew the guy who was casting it, Michael Dante. Uh, this would have been my third video with him. So it was pretty much. You know, I already know you. Let me just see what your opinions are on certain questions in this topic. And then, you know, it was easy for me. You know, it, it, once you build that reputation with them, it gets easier to, you know, to get casted. So um, but normally uh, if people want to join, they usually have um, casting calls and stuff that they do promote. That's how I first got started with them. But once you start building that rapport, so a lot of times they start reaching out. Uh, or if there's something that you're interested in, if you know the director, they'll reach out to you personally and kind of figure that out. So what were some of the other videos that you were in? Oh, so the first one I did, it was actually, I think, five months after I moved to L.A. It was online versus traditional dating. Uh, that one was actually pretty popular. I didn't really expect it to be, but that one was pretty popular. Then I did one about chess. It was a uh, uh, 13-year-old chess player who was professional, really good. I uh, still talk to him to this day. And it was not amateurs. Now, I'm not an amateur, but for the video, I was with eight other amateurs. So it, it was a really cool concept, something you know, less uh, controversial. And then I also did the most controversial one besides the black men 
uh, one was the pro vaccines versus skeptics. Now that one is the highest rated one that I've done. I think 1.5 million. And uh, I was on a, and I, I was on the skeptic side. I want to say, uh, you know, anti, but I was on the skeptic side. So um, yeah, that was the last one. And then it was, so it was four, actually four or five. Yeah. So uh-huh. I've, and I listened to um, Prince of Fresh Air and the vaccine episode and you, the correct me if I'm wrong, your reason for getting vaccinated was all of the these casting calls in LA were like proof of vaccine required or testing, and you're like, I don't want to be the pain in the ass. I'll get the vaccine. Right. Yeah. So, it, so what took so long, Percy? Short version, all, please. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 little patience. Are you me right now? It's funny. I was talking to the girl uh, that was in a video, Jacqueline, uh, and uh, she was always get the vaccine, get the vaccine. And then I was yes. like, you know, I, do I really need it? I mean, I mean, I have asthma. I should get the vaccine, but ultimately I got it because one, I, you know, early on in the podcast, one of the early episodes I did, I called it, I knew this was going to happen. The whole force. And then, uh, well, I, I want to say force in it. Well, technically it is, but mandating the vaccine, I knew it was coming. So for yeah. me, it was more so if I have the choice, I wouldn't take it, but I know I will have to take it eventually. So that's why it took so long because, you know, I, I don't want nobody putting needles in this good looking body. I mean, come on. <laughs> Ridiculous. You have, you have a crutch, Percy. You, you can't <laughs> keep relying on that body. That's what they say in um, America's Next Top Model. You can't rely on your face. I, you know, uh, hey, if it makes me money and it brings attention, I, I got to take care of it, you know. But um, but you never um, like you didn't have the like pit of fear of like oh my gosh like what if I catch this disease and why don't I just get this one thirty second thing to like make sure that I will live like did you not see it as a life or death? Well, to be honest, when it first started, that's why I ended up um, leaving my part time job was because of it. So yeah, there was an initial fear. Of it, yeah. you know, especially having a pre-existing health condition um, right. of the virus. Yeah, of the virus, COVID nineteen. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the the, the vaccine. It, it wasn't more so that I didn't want to take it. It was a lot of the things behind the scenes, the things that I was seeing, the political mind games going on with it. That I was like, you know, if if it's really for the public, why are we, you know, using election? Why are we using politicians to force an agenda? You know, if it's really good for the people, just say, take the vaccine, it will help. Not, oh, you know, if Trump makes you take it, then, you know, it's not good for you. It's it, it just leave the politics out of it. If it's good for us, let us take it. And if it's not, let us know. That's how I kind of feel about it. So that was right. more of my stance. you stands. feel like the CDC has been saying that? The CDC was like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not so much the CDC. It was more so like it, one of the points I have mentioned on, on my podcast was, you know, around the election time. Right. One of the not that I'm choosing size, political size, if you're Democrat or Republican, you know, that's all by me. But when when Trump was talking about the vaccine, I don't have right, the same opinion, by the way, to listen. <laughs> I, I, of course. I mean, politics is it's always going to be divisive. Right. Yeah. But both parties but, are not created equal. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. But you know, it, I was paying attention to the lecture. One of the things I was seeing was how you know Donald Trump was talking about how the vaccine would be ready, 
readily available in the sure. coming weeks and months, right? Oh, you know, Biden and all of them. Oh, yeah, it's not true. It's not coming no time soon. He's lying. And then what happened? As soon as he get elected, you know, two weeks later, the vaccine is available. It's like, what? Like, like really? Are, are we doing that? Like, per- Percy, you are you suggesting a conspiracy? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. No, it, it is more so. Present a very interesting picture right now. You're saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying it's interesting, which is I, what a conspiracy theorist says. I, I'm just saying, leave politics. If, it's, if this is something that's good for the people, leave the politics out of it. I don't care if you're which a Democrat. Is right, Percy? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. Let's put a period on the next. <laughs> We're gonna put a period there. Absolutely. Period. I'm definitely going Absolutely. to cancel okay. after this. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not, because you got it. And Astrid, everyone listening. Um, or I'm sure everyone listening already has. But I want to talk about um in this video, you were one of the um or probably the only person out of the five men to admit or to maybe feel maybe they didn't feel this way, that you have an um you're more I forget the question that you feel more comfortable dating a lighter skinned woman or like that you're more attracted to lighter skinned women. Yeah. 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 So, and, and you explained some of your own like trauma of the color of your skin. And um, could you talk a little bit more about that moment and what it felt like to be sort of the outlier in that case? Yeah. You know, um, and it's funny because I get asked this all the time. People always message uh-huh. me and stuff like that. And um and I nice was just talking. Not nice way. <laughs> <laughs> no, people. Honestly, like when they asked that question, I made a joke. Obviously, they didn't put it in the episode, but I had made a joke that I was about to get ragdolled and dragged yeah. through the mud when this when the video was coming out. I did not really expect so much genuine reaction. I've, I've, I would say most of the comments has been ninety eight percent positive for the most part. A lot of outreach, which I was, we was all surprised about. So. But, you know, in terms of that topic and that question, I had no problem being outspoken about it. One, because I'm from New York City. So we're very outspoken. We're very uh, passionate about things that, you know, we're passionate about. So I have no problem with being, you know, politically incorrect, if that's the if that's the term for it. Um, So it is. It is the term for it. Yeah. So uh, you corrected me. No, I'm kidding. Um, So. (laughs) So, you know, I, I've been explaining a lot to people because I think some people didn't understand what I was talking about. But one of the things um, I was ta- referring to when I was talking about, you know, not feeling comfortable as a dark skinned person wasn't so much or, or I, I rather let me say this. When people would say I wasn't black enough, that was the one of the biggest questions people had. It was like, what do you mean? You're, you're dark skinned. But it wasn't so much my skin color. It was most of the way I acted, the way I dressed, the way I talked, you know, especially when you grow up in a very urban, you know, society and culture, you know, there's a certain standard that people have, you know, depending on your race. So that's what I meant when I was saying that a lot of people didn't think I was black enough. It always felt, you know, like my lighter friends got more girls than me. They, They were more respected more, you know, than me. So ultimately growing up um you know not having not that i have daddy issues or parent issues but not having a father figure or a role model in my life to tell me you know how to be comfortable with myself and in my um and my person 
it took me a long time to get to that point where I accepted who I was. I hated being dark skin. I didn't want to be tall. You know, this is a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about me. You know, they see the good looks, they see the, the charismatic person, but it took me a long time. I wasn't always this way. So, and it's ironic that even though I said I preferred lighter skin women, at least at one point I did, I've only dated dark skin women before. I've never dated, I think I've dated maybe two or three light skin uh, women, but for the most part, it's always been dark skinned women. So, um, but it was more so me projecting my insecurities on, you know, other people. So, but I would say during college was around the time that I kind of started finding myself a little bit, you know, and getting comfortable with myself. And that's why I was talking about how performing helped me because, you know, being on stage and seeing, the. Uh, uh, responses to getting the love and the feedback that I did and made me realize, okay, this is what I want to do. I feel comfortable with myself now. People aren't judging me because, you know, I'm a dark skinned guy. You know what I'm saying? People just enjoy me as a person. And so once I kind of figured that out um, on my end, everything else kind of fell into place. Thinking about how many shades of skin there are, do you feel like there is a divide between light skin and dark skin? Because that sort of, it's a, not to say a false binary, but certainly a socially constructed binary of light skin, dark skin. Oh, there's a wide variety of shades, but do you feel like there are two cultural buckets? Oh, it, it, you know, look, and, and that's the crazy part because one of the reasons why so many people love, you know, my response it's or just, community. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, one of the reasons why so many people loved my appearance on it was because I shed light on the topic that people don't want to talk about. And right. it's a, very true one you know a lot of people think is this made-up conspiracy theory that you know people cook up but it's true every year there's always a time where you know light-skinned people going on dark-skinned people and dark-skinned you know vice versa and a lot of dark-skinned people and a lot of light-skinned people will agree there is a divide you know this times where light-skinned people will talk about how you know they grown up in families of you know their brothers and sisters and their mothers and parents being darker than them and they feeling different because their light skin may have you know blue eyes or hazel eyes or something like that or you know a dark-skinned person growing up in a household where you know their siblings are light-skinned and they're dark-skinned and they feel like they're not getting treated fairly it's, it's a very common thing and it's it's not even just families. I'm talking about workplace, you know, society. You know, when you look at the cover of magazines, when you watch, you know, movies nowadays, you don't really, besides the Angela Bassett, the established ones, when they want the, you know, black women, it's usually light skin. Look at all the rap videos nowadays. It's all light skinned black women. You don't see a chocolate person like me, you know. So it's it is one of those unspoken but spoken about things. Like people talk about it, but they don't really shed light on it because they don't want other people, you know, judging them for the way how, you know, they think. But I guarantee you, most of the people will agree to what I said in the video because they feel the same way. But do you really want to be open about it? Probably not. You know, so it's definitely a real thing. Feel the same way as in agree that there is a divide and that there are unspoken preferences and inclinations and biases that are deep-seated oh most of it we a lot of people is is especially as a man you know 
people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear you talking about, oh, I prefer light skin over dark skin. And even though you might act like it, they don't want to hear that. But you know what? It takes a strong person or someone who stands in what they believe to come out and do that. So for me, it was, if I had to take some heat, some criticism, sure, I, you know, I, I'll take it. But I know there's other people and a lot of the messages that I've been getting or just reading in general has been people talking about their experiences as light-skinned or dark-skinned people and feeling a certain type of way. So, I mean, it's true. It's not this made-up conspiracy theory, you know? So. Yeah, well, I wonder if the 98% positive messages that you get is a reaction to a certain cultural gaslighting that people um, feel like... Uh, or that there's no longer a cultural conversation around colorism, or there's this assumption that um, everybody uh, is like rid of biases or that we're like trying to move ourselves forward. So we shouldn't address lingering um, like racial issues or like that there's a certain political correctness that forbids us of having honest conversations about these sort of biases. Do you think that you sort of, um, like validated an internal experience for a lot of people? Oh, oh, most definitely. And I, I kind of knew a lot of people felt the way that I did, but a lot of people, one, don't have the platform to, or just don't feel comfortable talking about the experiences. And let, let me clarify something too. Um, a lot of things you was talking about, about the whole, you know, uh, uh, skin bias and stuff like that. It happens a lot in the black community. And, and that's why we don't talk about a lot, because when we think about racial bias, right, it's always white versus black. But in the black community in general, there's a lot of it. You know, dark skinned people hate light skinned people, light skinned people hate dark skinned people. It, it's just a never ended debate. But it's because it's within the community. It's not so much a, a big talking point. Right. And I think me talking about my experiences and shed a light on it for a lot of people, they feel the same way. They just don't know how to vision, uh, you know, express it. They don't have a way to express it or they just don't feel comfortable or they, they feel like other people won't understand where they're coming from. So having a, you know, obviously dark, but good looking guy, uh, you know, I got to throw that out there, but uh, <laughs> Percy, we're at like four or five mentions now. <laughs> Yeah, at least you're in, LA. you're in the city for you. I mean, the city is built on on that attitude, so you're in the right place. No, no, I'm a very humble dude, you know. But yeah, um, too. I, totally. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Do you think um, uh, that white people are generally oblivious to colorism within the black community? Oh, most definitely. But you know what? Too, I think other black people is oblivious to it. You know why is because if you don't experience it, then yeah. it's hard for you to sympathize and, and stuff like that. That's why, you know, the people who understood what I was saying are people who experienced it, who understand it, who've seen it with their own eyes. And if you've never seen it before, then you can't really say, Oh, I've seen this before. I know what you're going through. I know exactly what you're talking about. So it's nothing against white people when I say that, but it's more so that, you know, let's be real. And being white, yeah, you have some a little darker than others, but for the most part, y'all, you know, all going to be the same complexion for the most part. Whereas in black people or, you know, other minority groups, you have the real dark skinned people, you have the real fair skinned people. So it's a lot of that, you know, 
conflict just within those communities. So, you know, as a, a white person looking inward, you know, you probably won't see that. You you maybe see a little glimpse of it, but it's not enough to for you to draw a conclusion or relate to it. You know what I'm saying? So um I, I'm not I'm for me, it's not even a big deal about white people per se. I think it's more so the community in general needs to heal. You know, and I, I think the only way that's going to happen is if we look at each other and say, this is a problem instead of just sweeping it under the rug, just because it's not a white versus black thing. So. Right. When it comes to dating, this was something else that came up in the video. I thought was so interesting. How do you see dating um, the relationship between race and dating? Relationship between race. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because this is one of the questions they, they were asking. I know the question was like being pro-black and dating outside your race kind of sort of thing. Right. The, the question was, can you be pro-black and date outside your race? Yeah. Which I'm sort of like balking at the question, but I mean, I, I mean, it's a question. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just I just mentioned that, you know, the actual question just because it kind of relates to that. Um, but I, I think, look, man. You like who you like, you love who you love. And I, I think no matter who you fall in love with, if you're a stand-up person and you have morals, it won't change. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like me and you having a conversation. Obviously, we're two different races, right? So imagine if I came on, on here and I said, you know, I, I don't really care about the black community. You know, what I said in the video was utter garbage. I don't believe that. Obviously, I'm putting on a facade. I, I'm not really standing against my word. But if I go, you know, with, you know, other people who may be of, you know, black or Hispanic, because I'm half Cuban as well, you know, then I switch up. Then am I really a stand up person? So I think no matter who you date, if you're a stand up person, you will stand on your beliefs. And I think this whole you can be, you know, pro black and day outside your race. I, I mean, isn't that the same as saying, you know, as you know, the white supremacist saying that, you know, you have to date white people. And if you date outside your race, you're a traitor. It's the same thing. You know, so I, I really think that if you stand on, if you stand for what you believe, if you want to marry a white, Hispanic, Indian, Mexican, it really doesn't matter to me. So or more realistic, a mix of a mix of any of those, because more and more, it's not people, are not one thing. Um. Also, I just wanted to say that the, like the sentiment is the same, even though the histories are different of white supremacists and black people. But um, don't you think that um, distilling these gigantic societal issues into who you or I date is a bit generous to one's ego to think that who you date is... Um, somehow uh, encapsulates decades and histories of lineages of people? Yeah. You hit around the head. I think like you're on a date with, with whoever. And like you're sitting across the table of one person and some people are so complex. And to think that there's like, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, I I definitely agree, and that's one of the points I was ma I made a video. It's like I've met you know minorities who only date other minorities, 
and they don't give a crap about what's going on in, in our community. They don't give two licks because it doesn't bother them and it doesn't concern them. They care about their family and what they got going on. So is that does that make them any more pro-black than a, a, a black guy who dates a you know a, a Italian woman, but he's still out there, you know, protest uh, uh protect protesting for black lives matter and all these black issues no i i think you know judging somebody's you know skin, uh partner because of the color of their skin I, I think that's a little low and it's 2021 we have to do better than this this is not the 1960s anymore and it's becoming increasingly popular for interracial couples to happen whether you agree with that or not you know that's everybody has their opinion it's you know, not but, a thing to agree with. It's not a. It's not an agree disagree. We can. It's a agree disagree on taxes. It's not agree disagree if Beth and Michael are bumping uglies. That's their business. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's not, true. I, I disagree. That's not. Yeah. In, you know, maybe if you're in a jubilee video and they ask you, you can agree or disagree. Right. But they're gonna walk by you on the sidewalk and vote for who they vote for, and that's something you can disagree with. But right. who they decide to partner with isn't necessary. Also, if someone was like, I'm, if I was a black person and someone was with me because they were pro, pro black and felt like they couldn't be with anyone else, that's not about me. That's about who I am. Just like if someone was into white guys, that's red flag for me, even though I'm probably like as white as they come. But, you know, it wouldn't <laughs> me further away from the person than closer because you're not attracted to me. You're attracted to this idea you have about what my identity is right right and and there's a lot of that too you know i that's why I said, it, it's really up to the person and that was the point i was making you know some people may not agree but that's the point i'm making is that if you're a genuine person if you love anybody that you're interested in by all means i'm not stop you i'm not here to stop you but if you're going to be a, a certain person or you're going to have certain morals you should stand by that no matter who you are with but there's a lot of that, too, where a lot of people, they outside their race because they have this imaginary idea that life is going to get better. You know, oh, if I'm seen walking down the street with a white person, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to get, you know, invited to these, you know, red carpets and life is going to, you know, magically appear better. If that's your purpose, then I'm, uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but you're sadly mistaken. You know, that's not the way how you should go about, you know, living life. But Teach their own. Uh, I'm not nobody's parents. I ain't going to mm-hmm. tell them what to do. You know? mm-hmm. And um, how is the dating in LA? Is it that terrible? <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. It's <laughs> you think you think I'm facetious. Oh, my jeez, man. Oh, my God. I mean, this is feel like everybody's on the come up and, it, and they're just looking at you like, are you a, are you a step up or down for me? That's how I'm at. I mean, New York is like that in a way, but like I always say New York is money, DC is power, LA is fame. Is it very like Instagram followers? Oh, oh. It, <laughs> it, 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 that's one of my biggest gripes. Well, like, because, you know, I, I always talk about this with, you know, people from here. And it's like, you know, in New York, yeah, there's a certain degree of, you know, swag and, you know, looking good. But for the most part, people don't care about what you're doing. I'm, I only care about where I'm going, what I got going on, and, you know, what I have to take care of. I don't care about what you're driving. I don't care about what you're wearing. You know, some well, people don't no driving anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> unless you're, you know, unless you're my mom and, you know, can afford to, you know, get a nice suburban, you know, yes. but anyway. Yes. Um, but yes, LA is very, 
is all about the followers. It's all about who you know. It's all about how you look, what car you drive. It's very materialistic. And for me, it, it, it gets to a point where, is it cool when people recognize me? Yeah, but I hate that. Oh, I'm only talking to you because I feel like you can do something for me attitude. And you get that. You get that a lot. So dating LA, it's, I've met some very nice women, but that's few and far between. A lot of times they want to know how much money you make or, oh, you know, I, do you know this person? You know, I'm trying to, you know, level up my acting career or my modeling career. It's, I, I can't deal with it. It's too fake, too fake. Mm-hmm. And do you think, um, are you optimistic or pessimistic about, fi- like, do you want a life partner, wife figure, or are you not even in that headspace? Oh, almost oh, definitely. But I'm, I, I don't know if it'll be someone in that way, but um, yeah, I definitely, for me, there comes to a point in my life where, you know, right now I'm still in my, my, my twenties. So I have a lot of free time and stuff, but there's also a point where it's like, my life is already chaotic. You know, I had an audition this morning, so I had to wake up early for that. Then I have you know, I have to go to work tonight, but I also have another audition to do. So I, I'm jumping around and I'm moving around. I want someone to keep me grounded too. You know what I'm saying? I don't want everything being out of whack, you know, all the time. So I would like to meet someone who's genuine, who has their own thing going on, who who know what they want in life or just, or trying to figure out life, but they have a general idea where they want to go. So for me, I do, I do want to just chill with somebody. I don't want to keep hopping around and find the new newest flavor in town it gets boring after a while too you know having to juggle all of that constantly peddling your wares exactly exactly you 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 understand me i get it i get it everyone moves to these big cities to meet beautiful successful rich people that are going to fall in love with them and it never happens and that's the lesson you learn it it, it mind blows me how so many people don't get me wrong they're a very, very good amount of attractive women. And uh, not that, yeah, not, not that, you know, nothing against no men, but there's a lot of good looking men too. Not that I'm looking at them, but it's very, it's a lot of attractive people here. So, yes, but even with the attractiveness, it only goes so far because everybody's looking for the newest handout. Everybody's looking for the newest opportunity, looking for the new, you know, person who's going to, you know, take the career to the next height. It's not, you know, being attractive is cool, especially if you're a woman, because you get a lot of opportunities. But if you're looking for a dating partner, especially if you're trying to be in the entertainment industry, forget about it. I mean, forget about it. Per se, just have to tell you, I moved from New York to Wisconsin. Second date, boyfriend. We're having our, our year anniversary dinner on Saturday. Lucky, lucky man, lucky man, mm-hmm, lucky, mm-hmm. <laughs> lucky man. All right, all right, Percy. Well, you're. Um, I hope that you turn into a lucky man uh, in the area of love, but in the area of your podcast, um, your acting career, LA life. I wish you all the best. I hope Thank to see you. another Jubilee video. You're a great addition. Thank you, man. Um, it was. It, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I normally don't, uh, you know, do this kind of thing for my fans. No, okay, now, let me stop. Let me stop. Too many jokes. But uh, no, I appreciate the conversation, man. It's, it's always nice to meet people who doing their own thing, who, who 
you know, want to hear my story because I, I don't feel like I'm this, you know, Hollywood big shot. I, I'm just a guy who's still, you know, trying to make his way in life. And, you know, I appreciate you taking the time out to have me on your platform. So I appreciate that. Of course. Of course. And tell people where you want them to follow you. So if you want to follow me, the best way is Instagram at Mr. Dot No Days Off Percy. Um, also, I have my link to my podcast, The Prince of Fresh Air on there as well. Which, by the way, you can also find the Prince of Fresh Air on Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Audible, Amazon. Um, you can find me on Facebook too, Percy Brown. It's kind of hard to miss the hair, so you'll find me. Um, and you know, I'm just blessed to you know be able to help other people and share my voice. So thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Percy. Thank you, Dan.